Well, hey, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? All right, all right, not too bad, not too bad. Hey, I am excited. Uh, today we're going to wrap up our Jonah series. We're going to finish that up this morning, and I have really enjoyed this series uh, a lot. It's been really fun. Uh, it's been a short book, but there's so much packed into the book of Jonah. But before we hop back into the book, I want to tell everybody uh, here about something that's going to happen next week. Next week is a special week here at Refuge. Uh, it's the start of March. Uh, and this year, Easter falls on the last Sunday of March. It's a little earlier in the year than normal. It's on the 31st of March. And every year, uh, a handful of weeks before Easter, uh, we have something called T-Shirt Sunday. Free swag, right? Hey, next week, next Sunday is T-Shirt Sunday. And so here's what happens then. Uh, as you come into the service, we're going to have T-shirts available for everyone. And now these shirts are so special that you are not even able to purchase them, all right? That's how special they are. They're free, okay? They're free for everybody. So don't, we don't expect any money for the shirts, uh, but they do come at a cost. So there's two things that we're going to ask you to do if you take a shirt next week. Uh, I want you to wear these shirts as much as, much as possible between uh, when you get them to the end of March, right, between Easter. And if anyone, and I mean anyone, comments on your shirt, I like that shirt, or anything, hey, what's that church? They say anything about your shirt, you have an immediate obligation to invite them to Easter Sunday at Refuge Church. So the shirts are going to be free, and the only commitment is that you're going to, hey, if anybody says anything about that shirt, you're going to send them an invite to Refuge Church for Easter Sunday. Now, here's the best part. I know some of y'all. I've heard from some of y'all, you're like, I don't like talking to strangers. I don't want to be that person. If you don't like talking to strangers, that's okay. I'll be the bad guy. You can make me the bad guy in that conversation. You can say, look, my pastor said, if you say something about this shirt, I have to invite you to our Easter service. You can pin it on me. Hey, here's the deal. You don't know what God might do through a simple invitation. And so uh, I'm believing that as we go out, we wear these shirts, that we talk to people, that we invite people to service, that God is going to use some T-shirts to change lives, that your faithfulness to wear a shirt and just invite somebody to church is going to open the door for a gospel conversation, and that people are going to go from death to life in Jesus, that eternities will be changed by the power of the gospel. And so next week... We want everybody to come, uh, grab a shirt, bring a friend, tell them to get a free, they get a free shirt if they come, and we're going to give away all the shirts until we run out, so make sure to be here next week, bring a friend, uh, but right now we're going to hop back into the book of Jonah, and before we do that, let's take a moment and get our hearts ready to receive uh, what God has for us today. Would you just put your arms out like this, with your palms up, close your eyes, just a posture of surrender, take a deep breath. And remember that God is just as near as the air that you're breathing. Let's pray. God, today, would you guide us closer to you? Help our minds put away the frustrations of the past week. Help us to put away the distractions of the coming week. We want to fully focus on you. We come empty with nothing to offer but surrender. Fill us up as only you can. Holy Spirit, move in here today with power. We believe that in advance. We ask all these things in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Hey, a quick recap over the past two weeks, we've covered the first two chapters of Jonah. Uh, first things first before we do this recap. Uh, this is a story about 
God primarily. And it's Jonah's in there, but this is a primarily a story about God. It starts with God giving Jonah a message. Uh, and Jonah, he does not want to deliver the message because this message God has given him is to the Ninevites. And Nineveh is the capital city of Assyria. The Assyrians were a, just like we talked about this a couple weeks ago, they are a wicked and destructive people. They made examples out of people who oppose them. Jonah gets this message from God, and Jonah runs from God and goes and gets on a ship headed to Tarshish. Uh, once out at sea, he's running away from where God had called him to, God sends a storm. Uh, the sailors that are on the ship with him, they're trying to figure out why are they in this storm. And eventually it becomes clear that we're in this storm and it's because of Jonah. And they ask Jonah, like, hey, this is because of you. How do we fix this? And he's like, toss me into the water, right? He just, I'm out. And they resist at first, uh, but the wind and the waves are just too much. They get overwhelmed and they reluctantly, they do throw Jonah over. It says that instantly the seas calmed. And then Jonah is in the sea, and God has arranged for a great fish to come up and to swallow Jonah. And while Jonah is in the fish that God has arranged, Jonah cries out to God. And God hears his prayer, and he answers. Uh, And Jonah's answered prayer is him being vomited up on the beach. Right? We talked about that. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. And then he gets on the beach again, and God tells Jonah his message again. And God's message is this. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Deliver the message I have given you. Deliver the message I've given you. It's the same message, but Jonah, he is a changed man. It says, this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds. This is his message. This is what he says that God has given him. 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. That's it. That's the whole message. 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. That's funny. That's how it says it, in, that's how we would read it in English. The original language, it's a five-word message. Jonah goes and preaches a five-word message. If y'all came to church and heard five words, I don't think you'd be coming back. You'd be like, what's happened to that church? And not only was it a five-word message, it's a five-word message of judgment, like, like, you come to church, you get a five-word message, and it's about how God's going to destroy you. I don't think you're going to come back to that church. I, that's just me. But here's the deal. Jonah preaches this five-word message. Point on this. It is the message that God has arranged for him to give. It's God's message delivered through Jonah. And when you do what God has called you to do, great things happen. Remember, these are the people who made examples out of people who opposed them. These are the people who were kind of wicked. They were known for being rebellious, known for being evil. He comes and delivers a message. 40 days from now, this city is going to be destroyed. And here's how they respond. It's Jonah 3, verse 5. It says, the people of Nineveh believed God's message. From the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. They're just showing that they're, they're mourning. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal robes, he dressed himself in burlap, and sat on a heap of ashes. Yeah, and some of those are cultural. We're like, I don't understand that. They are showing everybody that they are uh, in remorse. They are grieving over this destruction that's coming. They are changing from their ways. Everybody, everyone responds with great sorrow. The The king declares a fast for the whole city. And not only for the people, he says, not even your animals can eat or drink. 
and everyone must wear garments of mourning. And then it says this, they must earnestly pray to God. I just want to back up a little bit. We didn't talk about this today, but these are people who murder women and children when they conquer an area. The people that are there, they, they murder and conquer them. And they don't just kill people in their conquest, but they literally torture them and put them out for everybody to see. These are the people that Jonah delivers that message to, that 40 days from now, this city is going to be destroyed. They hear this message from God delivered through Jonah, and when the people of Nineveh hear the message from God, they turn from their evil ways and they repent. They earnestly cry out to God. Think about that. These people who have wanted nothing to do God, they've done things their own way. They've been uh, evil. They've done terrible things. And when God comes with this message, they turn. Now, they have true repentance. Now look at what true repentance does to the heart of God. It's verse 10, it says this, when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. These people, they, they were literally the poster children for doing the wrong thing, vile, evil people. And they went from their evil ways and they turned to God from like literally death, like he's going to destroy it to life. And that's the amazing thing about grace. God's grace, uh, he gives grace when it isn't deserved. Actually, it's, if it's deserved, it's no longer grace. He gives grace to us when we don't deserve it. And God offers that same kind of forgiveness, that same grace to me and to you. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. His grace is greater than anything you've ever done. Just believe in him. And John 3.16 says this, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Everyone who believes. It doesn't say only the good people who believe. I'm sorry about the bad people who believe. I'm sorry about the addicts who believe. I'm sorry about the drunks who believe. Sorry about those people. No, no, no. God's grace, his salvation is for anyone who believes in Jesus. And when you put your faith in Jesus, you've done everything you need to be right with God. Everything you need to be right with God when your faith is in him. And that's what the people of Nineveh have done. They've turned from their evil ways and they've put their faith in God. They cried out to God, like we talked about last week, and God answered. He didn't leave them waiting. He answered. And God does not destroy the city. He, he saves them from literal destruction. And that part's like, oh, it's like, man, God is so good. His grace is so good. And here's where things start to get a little, ugh, a little uncomfortable. Uh, Jonah's about to start to look really bad right here as we finish up uh, the book here. But if I'm honest, uh, the reason that most people, I'm painting with a broad brush, broad brush here, but the reason most people have a bad attitude or maybe a bad taste in their mouth towards church, it's because uh, Jesus followers often carry a similar attitude that, that Jonah is about to exhibit here. He preaches his five-word message from God. The people of Nineveh repent of their sins. They turn to God, and when they turn to God, change, God changes his mind. He's no longer gonna carry out the destruction. Look at how Jonah responds to God's mercy to the Ninevites. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. God was gonna destroy these people and this change of plans greatly upset him and he became angry. Quick pause, 
why? Why would anybody be angry? Why would a prophet be upset that people were turning to God? Next verse, Jonah gives us a little insight into his heart. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away. I knew, I knew you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn your back from destroying people. Do any of those sound like negative things? Slow to get angry, merciful, compassionate, eager to turn your back from destroying people. Jonah is mad because God is merciful, compassionate. He's mad because God is slow to anger. He's angry because God is eager to turn his back from destroying people. Jonah's mad because in his mind, those people deserve destruction. They deserve the wrath of God. They deserve to die. They are an evil and wicked people. They've done their deeds. They've made their bed. Let them lie in it. His rant actually continues, just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. He is so upset with God's mercy and compassion. He says, God, just kill me. To put it in a language that we'd use today, I think it sounds like this. If you're going to save people like that, if you're going to save people like that, I'm out. That's, that's how Jonah responds to a whole city turning to God. And God responds to Jonah with a question. Is it right for you to be angry about this? God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about this? And Jonah, he uh, responds to this uh, by going to the side of the city and watching to see what would happen. He, he gives God the silent treatment, all right? He's like, I ain't answering that question, I'm just going. He doesn't want to answer the question. He goes the other way and he hides on the side of the city. He's literally pouting that God is saving people. It says while he's there pouting, you can read this in uh, chapter 4, while he's there pouting, it says that a leafy plant grew, it grew there, and it provided shade for Jonah. It also says that the leafy plant was arranged by the Lord in the same way that the Lord had arranged the fish. The Lord arranged this leafy plant to, to grow up, and it provided shade for Jonah. And you can, I'm not, the Lord provided comfort for Jonah, and it says, I went through this leafy plant, and it says Jonah, he's mad that God saved these people, but he's so grateful for this leafy plant. I think that's his words. I'm grateful for it. And then right after that, it says, the Lord also arranged for a worm. And he goes from the whale, the big fish, whatever you want to call it, the big fish to the worm. He arranged for the worm. And the next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant, and the plant withered away. It was no longer there for comfort for Jonah. It says, as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. It's hot, and he ain't got no shade. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. He says this, death is certainly better than living like this. He's at the end of his ropes. He's like, oh, this is awful. A little dramatic. And God asks Jonah the same question again. Jonah's upset about this leaf, this leafy plant dying and withering away. It's providing him comfort. And God again asks him the question, 
is it right for you to be angry about this? Is it right for you to be angry about this? And this time, Jonah doesn't uh, walk away. He actually answers God. He says, yes, even angry enough to die. Hmm. Even angry enough to die. Jonah is mad at God. Mad that God would save those kinds of people. And remember, this is uh, how God responds. And this is God's story, not Jonah's story. And the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. Remember, God arranged for it. And it says, it came quickly and it died quickly. But Nineveh has 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And with that verse, we, we finish the book of Jonah. That's how it ends. God doesn't give a response from Jonah because this is God's book and he has the last word. We see, we've seen two contrasting hearts uh, in this series, in, in this verse really, in this passage. We see the heart of man and we see the heart of God. We've seen him go back and forth. In, in Jonah, we see the heart of man. If we were to zoom out and look at the, the passage in the full context, knowing what we know now in chapter four, what we didn't know in verse one, why did Jonah run? Why was he disobedient to what God had called him to do? Why did he run? It's because Jonah knew God was merciful and full of compassion. And he did not want those evil Ninevites to be saved. In his mind, they're not worthy of God's grace. That's the heart of man. That's thinking that we're better than others. While we see the heart of man, we also see the heart of God. See that he does not hold your past against you. He doesn't hold you a prisoner to your past. He just wants you to turn to him. He is merciful, compassionate, slow to anger, filled with unfailing love. He is eager to turn back from destroying people. Eager to save people. The book of Jonah is filled with uh, so many parallels to the Gospels. Uh, if you don't know, the Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these are eyewitness accounts of Jesus' ministry here on earth by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And there's some parallels between Jonah and the stories in the Gospels. And, and it's actually huge. Uh, and there's today, I think we really saw Jonah, he was more like a Pharisee. See, in Jesus' time on earth, the Pharisees, they were Jesus' biggest opposition. They were always looking for ways to, to get Jesus, to make him mess up. They'd put him to test or give him a trick question to answer so that they could point out a flaw in him. But really, the, they couldn't believe, the thing that kind of stuck with them they, they thought Jesus' teachings were good. They had some questions about it. But the thing that always didn't sit right with them was the type of people Jesus associated with. They couldn't believe the people that he hung out with. It says this in Matthew 9, verse 10. It says, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home 
as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Tax collectors and disreputable sinners. Those are the people at the dinner party with Jesus at Matthew's house. Next verse says this. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples. This is a quote from the Pharisees. Why does your teacher eat with such scum? Why does he eat with such scum? See, the Pharisees, they were actually the religious people. Uh, They came to the temple looking good in special garments. They were well-educated. And they are so full of themselves that they couldn't receive what Jesus had for them. And since they thought so highly of themselves, they had a tendency to look down at others, to think that they are better than the people who didn't believe. Doesn't that sound like Jonah? He thought these dogs in Nineveh don't deserve to be saved. He thought they deserved destruction. It's unfortunate how quickly we can move from sinners in need of a savior to people who look down at others. Church, hear me this. God didn't save you so you can look down at other people. He saved you so you could be light in the darkness. He saved you so you could serve the people around you. He saved you for a purpose, and it was not to look down, not to look down at others. The Pharisees, they were trying to be God's lawyers to keep the wrong people out and to keep the right people in. God doesn't need lawyers. He needs laborers. He needs people who will work to reach people far from God. Don't be like Jonah. Don't be like the Pharisees. Being a gatekeeper to keep people away. No, work to reach those far from God, to bring them into the family. God receives all of us with open hands. Um, A few weeks back at the Super Bowl, there was an ad that ran. Uh, and um, you guys probably saw it, or if not, you probably saw some controversy on Facebook, people arguing over it, stupid. Um, sorry, that's how I feel about that. But anyways, this is a, a series, uh, this ad ran as a series of pictures of people with uh, seemingly opposing views, and, and one of them would be washing the feet of the other. You know, like Jesus, he washed the 12 disciples' feet. That includes Judas, the one who like is literally moments after that gonna betray him. Uh, and the only text that's got people that are washing feet, and the only text is Jesus didn't teach hate. He washed feet. He gets us. Um, now I guess that's open to some interpretation. It's not super uh, full of information there. Uh, but the message that I received from that was just Jesus humbled himself to wash feet. The creator of everything didn't think he was above serving the people around him. We need to humble ourselves, to, to love our neighbors, even the ones we don't agree with. <clears throat> Actually, especially the ones we don't agree with. <clears throat> and church, I think that's a message we gotta get on board with. Not because of some ad, but love your neighbors. That's a command from Jesus. No asterisk by the neighbors, just love them. It doesn't say agree with them. And please hear me, I'm not saying that you love them because everything's going fine with them. Things might be a mess. They might be living in all kinds of sin. It doesn't say agree with them. It just says love them. To love them. It's not our job to condemn or convict people of sin. That's actually God's job. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It's our job. We have a responsibility to love and serve the people around us. 
And uh, I just like, there was an ad, and I'd, that's how I took it. Hey, you just need to serve and love the people around you, especially people that you disagree with, because it like, literally hit every gambit on things that you could be controversial about. And I have seen so many pastors and church people rag on the people who made this ad, uh, condemn and, and say demeaning things about people who literally spent millions of dollars to show an ad so people would talk about Jesus. So people would talk about Jesus. How often are we tied up in those things about who gets in, who doesn't get in, this is right, this is wrong. I think it's really easy for us to start acting like Jonah, start acting like Pharisees, to be gatekeepers. Direct quote from Jesus, the world will know you are my disciples by your love. Don't be a Pharisee or or, or like Jonah. Don't be thinking that you're better or not. We are all saved by grace. You need to serve the people around you. I need to serve the people around me. I don't need to agree with them. I need to love and serve them. That's what Jesus has called me to do as a follower of him. Another parallel from Jonah to the Gospels is uh, Jonah, all right, there towards the end, he's, in, <laughs> he's a scoundrel, all right, can we just call it what it is, right? But in the beginning, Jonah is actually an imperfect picture, but definitely a foreshadowing of Jesus. Some common things here are some parallels. Uh, Jonah was asleep in the hold of the ship. Jesus was asleep in the ship. Jonah offers to, he offers his life so that he can save the crew. Jesus offers his life so he can save the world. Jonah spends three days inside the great fist. Jesus spends three days in the tomb. Jonah delivers God's message and a whole city repents. Jesus delivers God's message and it changes the world. Here's the part I don't want you to miss. Last parallel we see from Jonah to the Gospels is that when God arranges something, it's going to happen. We look back at the story, God arranged several things in the book of Jonah. God was in the wind and the sea. He used them for his purpose. God was in the big fish. He used it for his purpose. God was in the leafy plant that grew. He used it for his purpose. God was in the little worm, and he used it for his purpose. God was in the big things, and God was in the little things. He was orchestrating this story from the beginning. Remember, it's actually his story. I don't know what's going on in your life right now. It's possible you've got some big things happening. It feels like there's a lot of big parts moving. There could be good things. There could be bad things. There's big things moving. Or maybe, hey, there's just some small things happening as well. You're wishing you had some big stuff going on. It just seems like little things just moving around, not, nothing big. Hear me on this. God can use all of it. There isn't anything so small that God can't use it. It's not like he looks at us, oh, that's too small, that's too minuscule, I can't do anything there. No, he could do it. And there isn't anything so big that he can't move. He can handle it. He is strong enough. Just like God was moving through all the parts of Jonah, through the wind and the wave and the seas and the fish and the worm and the plant, God is working through your life in the big ways and in the small ways. There are things that he has arranged for you and for a purpose. 
He's in the big things. He's in the small things. And when God arranges for something to happen, it's going to happen. We can't stop it. If God can use a guy who's running away from him and gets swallowed up by a fish to go save a city with his message, I think he can use us. If you're a Jesus follower, learn from Jonah's mistakes. Don't make the same ones. Don't be a Pharisee. Don't look down on people who are far from God. Love them like Jesus does. Love them like Jesus does. Don't think, how could somebody eat with those scum like the Pharisees said? Don't think, no, they deserve to die. Don't think, God, I can't believe you would save someone like that. No, just love them. You don't have to agree with them. Love them. If you're here and you're not a Jesus follower, I don't think it's an accident that you're here. Actually, I think it's God's providence that you're here with us this morning, that God has a purpose for you being here. And that purpose is simple. God desires to have a relationship with you. He wants you to put your faith in Jesus. That's what he wants. Is it possible that he's arranged it for you to be here today so that you could put your faith in him? Would you make today the day that you put your faith in him? Let's pray.